The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to the Tech Cat Show with host Lori H. Schwartz. Each week we hear from established leaders in the technology and consumer industry. Finding out the scoop should never be this much fun. Now, here is your host, Lori H. Schwartz. Hello, everybody. So, how's it going today? From the Tech Cat Show, we are very excited to be getting into data conversations today. And, of course, big data is a big hyped buzzword, and everybody's writing about it, reading about it, hearing about it. But what we're going to do today is attempt to break it down a little bit about how it's actually impacting consumer experiences and learning about how one company is really helping to connect all the dots so that you can really understand what your business should be uh, activating uh, with your data, both from the consumer experience side and also from what you should be doing with your enterprise side as well. So it gives me great pleasure to introduce Gil Elbaz, who I'm calling the data guru, who is CEO of Factual. Ladies and gentlemen, let's have a big hand for Gil Elbaz. Yay! Thank you, Laurie. Thank you very much. Everybody calm down. (laughs) So Gil, am I saying your name right, by the way? Is that correct? You're saying it perfectly. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be on this show, Lori. I'm famous for ruining people's last names. So, um, <laughs> so Gil, tell us a little bit about Factual and also your role. And you have a really interesting background, a very entrepreneurial background. So, so give us a, a sense of who Factual is and, and where you come from. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I feel very privileged that I get to work on, on data, something that for me, it's exciting, of course. Uh, it's something that for me is a lifelong passion. I also view it as fundamental to how we're going to all move forward in terms of building up our, our economy. Uh, there's just so many use cases, uh, and I, I think we'll talk about a lot of those. But this is something I've been working on for a long time. Uh, the fundamental idea is that data needs to be accessible. Good data has to be accessible to those innovators in the world that have brilliant ideas, creative ideas, have things that they want to accomplish. And it almost always turns out that data is a fundamental component of that. And while we think of when we have Google in front of us and we have the internet, we think that, oh, data is plentiful. It's all over the place. It's easy to access. I think the reality when you break it down is more often than not, it's difficult to get the information you need to solve the problem you're trying to solve. And that's that's fundamentally what Factual is trying to do, to make, to make great data accessible. And, uh, and so, I'm, I'm, like I said, I'm just thrilled that I get to work every day and, 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 and work on this big, grand problem. And what's your background? Because how do you just jump into running a big data company? Um, and, and again, we're going to talk about what you're doing because I think it'll help to, to really break down what Factual's role in the ecosystem is. But how did you get here? Well, I started out... Uh, as an engineer, um, graduated graduated from Caltech, so you have a lot of math in every course. You know, at, at Caltech, even when we were studying philosophy, it, it turned out to be 
I have a lot, a lot of math as part of it. Um, <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> so I studied engineering. Um, I, I went, I, I graduated from uh, Caltech here in LA, but like a lot of people, I went to Silicon Valley for a period of time, ended up coming back to LA. I, after six or seven years in the industry, I, this was in the early 90s, and the internet just, just well, the web was just invented. Um, oh, and when I saw that the potential power for information sharing and collaboration, I saw that, I think I, think I became addicted uh, and realized that my life is going to be about um, innovation in the broad field of data and information. Uh, I, I started a first company in 1998, not really knowing what I was doing, but I had a great team and we we figured things out and we learned along the way and you know we eventually had a very a good result and got acquired by Google but it was a tremendous learning uh, but I mean I think I was born to be an entrepreneur I was born to work and try to solve these big problems and I think like most entrepreneurs I don't think there's any particular training you just have to decide that that's what your life is about yeah it just kind of uh, I think it just kind of happens because I was on staff and at big corporations you know most of my life, and then about three years ago, I went independent and you just you don't realize that that the entrepreneurialness of it all and what it really means until you're inside of it, and then you're kind of like, you know, oh, I want to do this the rest of my life because it's just very freeing, but it's also hard. You know, the energy that you continuously put out is really, is really difficult. So my, my question to you is, so what role does Factual play? Because I know from coming from the agency side, we had insights and research and data folks always sort of looking at the data. And then we had our clients trying to understand how do they use the data to make experiences that will engage their audiences. So where does Factual sit in, in this ecosystem? Yeah, so Factual is a neutral data company. That means we have data that people need in order to solve their problems, and we we see our role as making that data accessible uh, to indirectly help people solve all sorts of problems, to innovate. Um, I mean, one important distinction I think that's important to make is there's this large industry called big data, and that's gotten a lot of attention over the last couple of years. Uh, really, if you this is a very important in, industry, so it's, it's a whole range of tools that are required to manage, to store, to process information uh, at scale, of course. You know, we're talking terabytes and petabytes. Um, but many companies in the big data category don't actually have a lot of data. They have software that they share with you, that they sell to you, so that you can process your own data. Factual, on the other hand, is a company which strives to have data about the world, um, information that historically has been siloed and held by large companies and organizations. And we're, we're making that accessible. So the, 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 the key thing that we focused on has been data about the world. So imagine every point on the globe. What could you know about that? Uh, we've been aggregating such information and making it accessible for, for a whole range of use cases. And so you're becoming the, uh, the sort of middle center piece of this where you go out and you collect that data and then people come to you to try and leverage it. Is that a simple way of sort of explaining it? It is. It is. And yeah. who, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah. And another key piece is neutrality is, is fundamental. So we're absolutely committed to neutrality, which means we're here to, to serve our customers, to provide them data. What it means is we're not going to build an app 
and compete with companies that are building the next important location-based app. Uh, by being neutral, our partners and customers feel a huge amount of confidence that we're there uh, single-mindedly trying to help them through data. And, and talk a little bit about location-based services, because that's another very hyped buzzword right now. So you have this data, and you're trying to help people activate it smartly. So what does it mean in terms of location-based services? Yeah, so it's a pretty broad term. It refers to just about any application that leverages location. And maybe in the early days, it was thought of just as some of the, the key categories might be mapping, um, local search. So a lot of people are familiar and use every day um, tools like Apple Maps or Google Maps or Waze to help them get to where they're going. And it, and it has all these terrific capabilities. Uh, of course, it needs to know where you are and it needs, needs to know where you're going and it can help you along the path. Um, local search, uh, picking the right restaurant for lunch, uh, that's another key category. But there's actually many, many more that I would say fall now under this very broad umbrella of location-based ser- services. So you, you have social and messaging and photos and coupons and, and payments and all of these things now are, are leveraging location. That's so cool. So, and I know as a, uh, you know, just when sometimes I'm wearing my business hat and sometimes I'm wearing my parent hat. And when I'm wearing my business hat and I'm in business travel land, I love getting messages that, you know, tell me where my flight gate is or just that information that you need to like survive when you're running around like a crazy person. And then on the other side of it, when I'm out being like, you know, mom and doing whatever, I do appreciate coupons, deals, and information that help me out. But I find right now that I have to work for all of that. So is that part of what you're solving for? I think you're talking about a really interesting trend. Um, so probably one very good example of this is, is Google Now, which strives to share with you the right contextual, location-oriented information even before you've asked for it. So uh, it's sort of like search without having to search. It's giving you the answer before you've even typed anything into a search box. Yeah. And so, for example, and I think you mentioned one of these cases. So not only can it tell you if your flights, uh, if perhaps your flight's delayed, but it can also see where you are now, look at the traffic between where you are now and the airport, and start making powerful observations about, you know, are you, are you, are you running on time? Um, can you slow down? And it, and, it, and, it, and it gives you that in a, in a snapshot. Um, I, think, I think that's sort of a, a microcosm of the many powerful things that your mobile phone will become. It'll become this autonomous agent to help you navigate life in a, in a way that I think the big vision is here. People will make fewer mistakes in the future because this, this computer just knows all. Yeah, that is, I love, I'm very attracted to that idea. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and also just like I find myself like especially at Target and this is we're going to get into use cases when we come back from the break in a moment but I find myself at Target like all of a sudden panicked yeah. at, at checkout that I didn't look at what coupons I have and I didn't pre- pre- you know prep for the purchasing because often you're just going and some of the shopping is very impulsive and so for me to plan what I need and to clip coupons or to think about what's on sale it's too overwhelming for me so I just want to be told that I'm getting some coupons and um, everything's okay just because I'm standing there online you know what I mean 
Yeah, there's there's certainly a lot of a lot of innovation in couponing. I, I certainly spent a lot of my childhood uh, clipping, and <laughs> making sure we were going to get double coupons. But a lot of this, I think, what you're talking about um, is also about creating engagement for brands and driving loyalty. Because if you're if you allow me to engage with you, you know, in a way that really services my life needs then I am going to become a loyalist. And then from the brand's perspective, they'll learn more about me. And it only makes that relationship, you know, really sexy, I I think. Um, So you guys coming from a neutral data perspective, you're kind of servicing both the the end user and the people making all the different things to help use the data, correct? Yeah, you're absolutely right that companies in just about every category are now understanding that the opportunities for them are huge if they can develop one-to-one, direct, personalized relationships with their customers. It, it allows them to be better companies and offer better services. And to, it, it offers a, a tighter feedback loop so they can know what you like and what you don't like and, 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 and iterate on their services. Uh, it's really a huge win-win. And a lot of that is data-powered. So when we come back, I want to ask you, like, literally, how does this work? Like, do I just call you up and say, Gil, give me some data, man. <laughs> and then how do you know what to give me? And, and what, what, how does this all play out? Because, again, your clients are everybody, right? I mean, you're working with everybody. We're working in a lot of categories. And, yeah, so people go to our website, factual.com. There's a, they can contact us or they can spend time. One of the things that we believe in is transparency so that they don't necessarily have to call us to start using and playing with the data. So you can, you can, you can browse through all of the data online. You can sign up. If you're, a, if, if you're a, an engineer, you can sign up for the API and start playing with our APIs, the programmatic interfaces that let you incorporate it into your application. And there's a lot you can do before you call us, but certainly we're ready to answer any questions and help you out when you do when you do ask for it well that's great so we're going to dig in um, a bit more into some use cases and how folks are really using that data when we come back with the tech cat show and the fabulous gil ibaz the data guru when it comes to business you'll find the experts here Voice America Business Network. The key point of contact between consumers and brands is technology. StoryTech, a boutique agency, empowers you to use that tech to deliver your message, engage your customers, and raise the bottom line. How do you track and exploit the trends? How do you stay ahead of industry disruption? And how do you maximize profit from content? From strategy to execution, the answer is StoryTech. Inform, innovate, create. Visit us at story-tech.com. That's story-tech.com. If you're interested in gaining strategies to be more successful both at work and your personal life, check out Turn the Page with host Hemda Mizrahi. It's all about building new habits and perspectives. The show helps you identify the changes you need to make that align with your values and priorities. And then apply these principles to your career, health, social life, and other areas. These are proven techniques that work. Turn the Page airs live Fridays at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 6 a.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Business. 
Are you a business innovator or are you just sitting on the sidelines? Tune in every week for Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Host Bonnie D. Graham talks to a cross-section of the movers and shakers who are leading by example. They will share best practices and innovative ideas to keep you thinking and moving along with the best. Join us for Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP, Wednesday mornings at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. This is the Tech Cat Show with Lori H. Schwartz. If you want to find out more about our show or to leave a comment or question, send an email to Lori at TechCat.tv. That's Lori at TechCat.tv. Hey, everybody, and we're back now talking to the fabulous Gil Elbaz from Factual and getting really into how all of this big data actually actually plays out. Like, how is it helping businesses and brands and companies move through this space? So, Gil, you were going to give us some examples of how the work that you're doing actually plays out in experiences. Sure, sure. So, we talked about a few categories. Uh, we talked about how location-based search um, mapping, these are a few of the main, most important categories that have grown up. And we're really proud that, that our data is used in some of the most popular apps used by hundreds of millions of people, such as Apple Maps and Facebook, Facebook Places, um, Microsoft Bing for local search. So these are, these are, these are utilities that people use every day. Um, they run on data. And so we're proud of the fact that having built up this huge repository of data um, helps enable uh, apps like that to work better, to have more accurate information around, uh, in terms of what's near me, what, where are all the businesses in the world across 50 countries where we are working now. Um, so those are a few, a few of the, the really obvious examples that people are very familiar with. What about um, if I came to you as, you know, um, a packaged goods company and I said, you know, how can I leverage some of your data? I'm trying to reach millennial moms. Um, You would help them um, get access to that sort of bucket of information about millennial moms? Yeah, so there are broadly the two main categories are apps where we provide data to power information on apps on your smartphone. And another broad category would be, would be ads and helping, helping advertisers, uh, for example, in your case, uh, packaged goods. Yeah. Um, if people want to target a certain, let's say, um, let's say a large uh, athletic brand wants to target a set of active lifestyle people, um, they may want to target people who, have, who spend time um, on hiking trails, on, on the tennis court, uh, and they might come up with uh, dozens of other categories like that. So being able to map a, a publisher's own inventory through location to these lifestyles and to the, these types of behaviors uh, is a really powerful mechanism for a, a brand uh, to, to, to target a set of users. And, and we, so we've seen... Um, you know, tremendous in- increases in click-through, which in, in that world that's kind of important is, you know, are these ads resonating with the user that's seeing them? And, and so, uh, so that's an example in terms of uh, on, on, on more on the ad buying side. 
And is that being powered by, say, um, either a small business or a large business going to their agency and saying, I want to do an ad buy on mobile phones, and then whatever that ad vendor is, your data is helping them better target people? Is that kind of how it works? Uh, Yes. So the ad buying ecosystem is complicated. So some brands buy directly and others use, use agencies. And, but inevitably, uh, a key concept is uh, we're seeing a huge trend toward programmatic ad buying. And that means a greater degree of automation where a system is considering a whole range of, of data signals and in real time making, making good decisions. This, this would be in contrast to something where you just say, I want all my ads to run on a certain site for the next week. Um, right, right. And we've, we've talked about programmatic before on the show, and it's such a, a powerful move forward for the whole industry to really be able to make smart choices based on previous, uh, previous behaviors and then really target people. And uh, could you talk a little bit, you know, and I didn't ask you this before, but the numbers of people now that are on mobile phones and how local advertising is really impacting you know, that ecosystem? Because I don't think we all realize how much local advertising on phones is happening right now. It's the, the, as you might imagine, mobile is a very different ecosystem than, than the desktop that came before it. So, uh, of course, the, maybe the most important difference is that mobile, you're not tethered, you're moving around, and you have this location signal. Um, as a user, you have an option to share that location with your favorite apps. Uh, in such cases, a lot of good things happen. I mean, first of all, your apps get more useful to you. Um, if, you if, if Uber knows where you are, um, they're going to do a great job of um, sending a, a car to you. And, and, if, if, uh, and if Waze knows where you are, they're going to help you figure out how to get to the next place. Um, so there's a lot of people that are opting in to share their location. And the primary reason they do that is to, uh, so, so that in turn, these, apps, these app builders can delight them with better and a better user experience, a more targeted, personalized user experience. Of course, that, that location data can also be used by those apps to better target ads, which helps them run their business because they can monetize much better. And that's, and that's where we get into, into local ads. Um, local ads are, are very valuable. Um, because they're so relevant to you in, in that moment. Uh, knowing, so another, here's an example. Uh, people are familiar with digital coupons, but an app like Shopular um, uses factual data to help to make sure that the coupons are, are locally relevant, that they're in proximity of where you are. And, and, that's a, and that, makes the, that makes the whole thing work better. Oh, I'm so going to download that. So is that an app then that I could get? Uh, yeah, yeah. Because that's the kind of stuff I'm talking about, like actually help me. <laughs> yeah. But then also, you know, there are these small businesses that want to play in programmatic and want to play in this game, but they don't have big budgets and they don't have big ad agencies doing global media buys. They're just small companies. So can small companies and local businesses still leverage play in this game that you're talking about? Well, so there's... There's a lot of different angles. So if local businesses want to buy ads, Factual isn't an ad company. Uh, we work with ad companies, but we're not an ad company, so they can't come to us and buy ads. But there's a whole range of companies out there 
that that service and help help uh, these are these are ad buying platforms that make it easy for people to buy ads and uh, and so certainly uh, an emerging area is is for local um, to buy to buy ads based on on location and so those are your clients then right the ad agencies and the local martech ad tech vendors and any of these guys that are leveraging your data yeah many of many of the ad tech companies have seen that location is this really important new trend it's a, a powerful data signal and so we've uh, we've partnered with many of these uh, the mobile in particularly the the mobile ad tech companies who see location is so important and i think that's a you you bring up another really really great point about the, this world that we're talking about you you have to be strategic you have to understand you know how this all works. So, are you guys finding that you're doing strategy at all, or are you pa- you passing on that service offering back to again these different partners? Because it, it seems to me everyone needs help in understanding the trends that you're talking about. You know, our aim is to be very very focused on on the quality of the data and to not get. And, and to, to focus on that on that on that layer, um, so that's where we we're still mostly engineers. We're an engineering-driven company. Um, a lot of our engineers are working on our core data quality, and and that's that's how we want to differentiate ourselves. Now, it is true that we have people in in customer support and sales whose job it is to to help people understand location data. To help them understand how they can use it, and so there's a lot of conversations, and and we build a few tools to help help with insights. But but fundamentally, we feel that if we have the best quality data, if we understand more about the physical globe than anyone else, um, that that's what gives us the big advantage, and that's why people want to work with us. Before we go to break, you know, one of the things I'm always wondering about is, so who do you know to get your data from? Like, is it really clear? who the different data resources are at this point, or are there new ones coming up all the time with all these new devices and new consumer behaviors? Yeah. Um, so are, are, you, are you asking where we get our data from? Yeah, yeah. Where do you get your data from? Because yeah. it's like there's all these new devices now that are generating new data and all these new behaviors. Yeah. So, so as I've been, I've been discussing how our, a key part of our focus has been understanding the physical world and what's at every location, at every point, what's happening there, uh, what types of human behaviors are happening there. Um, and so we've needed to get data from many, many sources, but there's no, there's no kind of fundamental company that provides this data unless, unless, you, unless you say that factual is it. So we've become... <laughs> we've become the best neutral data company from which to get this kind of location data. But if you ask where we get our data from, you know, data doesn't just grow on trees, so there is an answer, but it's a complex answer. Uh, many of our partners, we incentivize them to give us data back um, because it takes a huge amount of effort to, to aggregate and synthesize information about the entire world. So we're, we're happy that we've built a lot of partnerships. Um, we, a lot of businesses come to us Giving them, giving us their data so that they can be properly uh, represented. So large chains will come to us 
and say, we want to be in Factual's database. So they'll give us their data, of course, for free. Uh, it has a lot of value to them to be properly represented. And we've been doing this a long time, so we have a lot of those types of relationships. And, uh, and the web, you can, you, can, you can look at the web and look at the homepage of a restaurant or a business and, and learn a tremendous amount. That's a very big job to uh, sort of like a search engine, combing through billions of pages on the web and understanding uh, what's changed. God, you, you must have the biggest brain in the world. That <laughs> just seems like so much information. So you guys are actually sitting um, on top of a lot of insights um, about behaviors, and I'd love to find out for you, you know, what sort of trends are you seeing um, popping up both locally and globally? And then what, what, um, what are some of these MarTech, AdTech trends that are impacting you? Or what are you seeing? I mean, just even outside of your role at, at, at Factual, but you must be really aware of some of the hottest trends um, out there just because you're sitting on top of all this data. So when we come back, we're going to... Um, we're going to make Gil tell us what he's seeing, um, um, sitting on top of all this great data from Factual. So more with Gil Elbaz, the data guru on the Tech Cat Show, when we come back. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. The key point of contact between consumers and brands is technology. StoryTech, a boutique agency, empowers you to use that tech to deliver your message, engage your customers, and raise the bottom line. How do you track and exploit the trends? How do you stay ahead of industry disruption? And how do you maximize profit from content? From strategy to execution, the answer is StoryTech. Inform, innovate, create. Visit us at story-tech.com. That's story-tech.com. Effective leadership is what will propel the world, organizations, and businesses through a range of dynamic changes. How do you keep up with these changes, build skills, and lead effectively? Listen for Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations with Maureen Metcalf. Maureen offers tools and engaging guests who are leaders in their field. With each week, you'll work on and improve your skills to lead with confidence and drive your organization's success. Tune in every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Business. Bob Pritchard has over 30 years of experience as a straight-talking business consultant and author working with some of the top Fortune 500 companies. Now he's come to the Voice America Business Channel to help you and your business. Tune in to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show for information about starting and successfully running a profitable business. From the movers and shakers to great marketing screw-ups, you can't afford to miss a single edition of the Bob Pritchard Radio Show, Tuesdays at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Business. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. This is the Tech Cat Show with Lori H. Schwartz. If you want to find out more about our show or to leave a comment or question, send an email to lori at techcat.tv. That's lori at techcat.tv. 
We're back with the fabulous Gil Elbaz, who is the CEO of Factual, which is one of the top data companies, I think, in the world, really gathering all the data that's out there and providing it to publishers, brands, and everybody else who's uh, creating engagement around that data. So I I was just asking, Gil, what are you um, seeing as some of these MarTech ad tech trends? You know, what's, what's really going on out there? So a few, a few of the big trends, programmatic, uh, mobile, location. These are the, the big three trends that keep us very busy. There's tremendous amounts of learning and excitement around how to leverage um, this data within, this, within the, that use case. So just I'll tell you, one, one case study, for example, fairly simple case study, but, but simple but powerful. Um, I mean, Hard Rock Cafe uh, ran a campaign targeting mobile users near hard, hard rock locations. Um, again, it sounds simple, but this is the kind of thing that uh, you, couldn't, you couldn't do this uh, not that long ago. Um, you didn't have the kind of integrations that we have now into the ad tech ecosystem. So we, we partnered with a company called Adelphic, and by targeting people in the right proximity, um, it drove a, very, a significant lift to, to in-store, to people, to people visiting, something like... I think it was 220%. Wow. Wow. And you were able to track that because it's all trackable from, from people opting in and, and following whatever the, uh, whatever the exercise was that they were doing, whatever the engagement was. So our, our job, not being the ad company, our job is less on tracking the lift. That's, that's Their job. the realm of our partners. Yeah. But our job is to analyze data and figure out in real time uh, who's near a Hard Rock Cafe. So we have to understand... Uh, we have to understand, first of all, where, where all these businesses are. And the fact that we already have all this data prepackaged means that somebody can launch a campaign uh, in minutes. Um, we already have everything organized so that you can, you can search by, by name of business. Now, if they wanted, if they wanted to go broader to a, a broader set of uh, similar cafes, they could have used our taxonomy of businesses to do that. Or if they, or if they had chosen... Uh, a type of person they were looking for, like the kind of person that, let's say, goes to pubs or, um, or a person that goes to restaurants but also has an active lifestyle, um, they can come up with a campaign that, more tar- that targets more narrowly for a, a certain audience segment. Okay, that's so cool. And during the break, you and I were talking a little bit about the privacy issue because that's a question that everybody asks me. And you were about to tell me about a, a, a way that you talk about this because I know everyone's kind of freaked out about all of this. So what's your sort of way of calming everyone down? Yeah. So all the data, the, the location, the personal location data that is used is controlled by the user, and it should be controlled by the user. So if you, if you, when you download an app, you have an opportunity and the option of opting into location sharing with your favorite app or any app that you download. And so this location, I mean, first and foremost, it should be used to make the app better. And we're seeing, we've talked about some of the interesting cases with, with search, with mapping, with coupons. There's many, many more. Um, Photos is another really interesting, interesting one. Uh, but of course, um, in order for these apps to fund their research and development, they're also looking for ways to monetize, and, and advertising is a piece of that. But, you know, and I especially learned this at Google, people actually love to see relevant ads. 
So I'd also argue that having ads that really speak to exactly what your desires are and interests are actually do a great service to the user at the same time. So this, this location data, uh, this, it's an, on an opt-in basis, and, um, and it results, like I said, in, in a better app and better ads. Yeah, I mean, I always love stuff that's relevant to me. It makes you happy as opposed to the, the stuff that isn't. Uh, so what, what, when you're out in the world just now as, as a, you know, obviously you're a professional in this business, but personally, what's turning you on about some of these technology trends? Uh, you know, are you uh, playing with any new location-based gadgets? You know, um, are, is your house filled with new tech all the time? H- how do you personally move through some of this stuff? You know, I think, um, I mean, I, 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 love, I love new apps uh, and, and uh, to understand the, the power and new, new models of, of I, I mentioned Google Now before as something that to me is thrilling. It's, it's, it's still the first inning in a, in a long cycle of making apps incredibly, incredibly smart and predictive. Uh, but there's other ones out there. Um, there's a lot of innovation around taking, taking y- your query um, or, or in some cases, not even, not even that, and, and predicting what it is that you may be interested in. Another interesting one is Facebook is, has added this M messaging service where there is a, effectively like a robot that is helping you to solve problems. Like I'm looking for a place for lunch, and it's responding to you automatically, leveraging a tremendous amount of information, not, not only about you, about your interests, but also about about the world. Oh, I so, haven't played with that yet. Um, yeah, so I think, you know, now I, I believe that what we're going to see is the broader ecosystem um, following and and hopefully um, jumping ahead. I'd like, you know, I I love to see startups uh, that are way out ahead. Here's 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 one that comes to mind: um, voice recognition. Uh, we're seeing huge trends in, in listening. Now, of course, the user has to opt in and allow the, the phone to listen, but if it does, it can listen and help you and, and understand what it is you're trying to accomplish. And sometimes it's explicit where you, um, where you ask it a question. Other times it's more implicit where you just want to know, what songs have I listened to in the last 24 hours? And there's apps that do that kind of thing. What about, um, are you wearing any smart watches or do you have any artificial agents in your house? Like I have the Amazon Echo, which I just love, and my, my six-year-old loves using it too. Do you have anything like that that's kind of um, helping your life? I love, I love the Echo. So at least five times a day, one of my kids says, uh, Alexa, tell me a joke. <laughs> Mine does too. Yeah. Mine loves the knock-knock. The knock-knock jokes. Those yeah. are yeah, you, you know what I've done at a friend's house? I've gone in and when they have the Echo and I add things to their shopping list. So I think... <laughs> That's a little bit evil. Yeah, it's a little bit fun. evil, but t- totally fun. Yeah. What about like any wearables that you're particularly turned on about? I know there's a lot of chatter that wearables haven't really hit it yet, that there's something still missing from all that. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm a big believer that the quantified self is important and useful. So I have worn a bunch of different wearables. I've, I've kind of switched off just to kind of experience a lot of them. Um, I mean, full disclosure, I invested in a company called Misfit. So mm-hmm. I was wearing that a lot. But right at the moment, I'm wearing uh, a, um, the Jawbone Up and trying to convince myself that I have to walk at least 10,000 steps a day in order to just 
keep up my energy level. Yep, yep, yep. I mean, that's the funny thing about this, too, is the data um, starts to become another stress factor in your life, you know, because midday I have the Apple Watch and midday I... I do look at the steps and I start to freak out a little bit if I haven't done those 10,000 and I know what I have to do to get there, but I can't always, you know, work it out in my life. But there's a lot of chatter that, um, you know, wearables just haven't had that killer app yet, um, you know, or that killer experience yet. But I definitely think I love my Apple Watch, especially when I'm out and about and I don't have to look at my phone to get like an important little text or something like that you know these like micro moments it's very it's very helpful yeah so I wore I also wore a Samsung gear for a while um you know I think I think there's going to be tremendous opportunities there to help people with just the right message at the right time yeah exactly which plays off all of the data that you're talking about now you'd mentioned you're in did you say 50 countries uh, our data is in 50 countries, yes. Yeah. So, and are you seeing some trends around different parts of the globe right now on how things are activated? Many of the large U.S., we don't have anybody outside the U.S. selling, so we probably don't get that, that real-time feedback loop around what do companies outside the U.S. want. But many companies in the U.S. are building global strategies to take their app uh, so that they work across the entire globe. Um, it's becoming more and more common for a young startup to have that ambition from day one where they want their app to work. And if you want it to work, uh, if it's smart and intelligent and you want it to be personalized, you're going to have to figure out some way for it to have a deep contextual understanding of every user no matter where they are. And so uh, that's the reason why we focused from day one on 50 countries, which is, as you can imagine, much much harder than one. But many of our partners uh, just need that and it was a huge gap to fill. And, and there's so much uh, more mobile activation as sort of the, the, the first desktop for all of those developing countries that you, if, you're, if you really do want to be a global mm-hmm. company, you do have to think about that from day one. So you're seeing companies now at the gate launch as a global entity rather than do it later. Uh, absolutely. So, so let's say there's one interesting app that does caller ID for your mobile phone and they want to help you better understand who's calling you along with additional, deeper information about maybe uh, a business that's calling you. Um, if you can get that to work globally instead of in one country, that just gives you a much greater opportunity immediately um, to build your brand uh, overseas. Yeah, I mean, I think we'll definitely have to see telcos cooperating a little bit more because especially those of us in the U.S. who are of the Apple cult, you know, the minute we step out of the country, our phone doesn't work. (laughs) So, well, if you're with Verizon or whatever it is, but, you know, there is that telco, they make it so hard in the U.S. to be global. It is challenging to sign up for the right plan so you're not, you're not overcharged for, for voice or data. Yeah, and I, I've been reading so much also about you know, how mobile payments are taking off in, say, Africa. Interestingly enough, are, is, is payments another area that you see exploding um, with your data? There are, there are quite a few of the largest uh, credit card companies that we work with to help them better understand the, the large number of merchants that they work with. Um, so one kind of category, one use case there is to help a large financial institution understand more about, um, about the merchants. What sort of businesses are these? What sort of 
services do they provide? Um, exactly where are they? Um, what competitors of theirs are nearby? So, um, so that's been important for us. I think where that's going and what you're seeing a little bit of is um, payments and financial payments service providers and financial institutions want to provide to you more than just a swipe. They want to be able to interact with you and provide to you um, offers and coupons and loyalty programs so that they can build even better relationship with you, learn more about what you want, and, and, and help, help both the, the customer and the merchant. Right. They want to own the IP of the purchase ecosystem. So like that whole chain that gets you to, uh, to, to buy something, which I think everybody kind of is trying to hack away at that. But it's really interesting. Just like now you, you have hotel chains like, like a Marriott who's, who wants to own like how you travel. You know, like the whole thing, the storytelling around travel, which is is really interesting. And and for me, coming from Hollywood and the storytelling side of things, uh, that's the part of data that I love is the stories behind it. Uh, Well, we have to take another break. But when we come back, I want to find out, you know, where you're going next with Factual. Like, what are you guys looking at down the road? And where can we um, find out more about what you're doing and how to keep up with all of this? Because it's such a hot space. So we'll be back with Gil Elbaz and Factual on the Tech Cat Show. business community's first choice in internet talk radio voice america business network the key point of contact between consumers and brands is technology StoryTech, a boutique agency empowers you to use that tech to deliver your message engage your customers and raise the bottom line how do you track and exploit the trends how do you stay ahead of industry disruption and how do you maximize profit from content from strategy to execution, the answer is StoryTech. Inform, innovate, create. Visit us at story-tech.com. That's story-tech.com. Your entrepreneurial vision has taken hold. Your business is growing. It's everything you hoped for. Or is it? With growth comes bigger headaches, more hiring, more capital, more customers to satisfy, more employees to manage, more plates to juggle, and more demands on your time. Get off that merry-go-round now. Tune in to The Business Edge with Marsha Zeidel. You'll meet street-smart entrepreneurs and business leaders sharing their success stories as well as practical solutions to the unique challenges faced by growing companies. Heard every Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific, on the Voice America Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. This is the Tech Cat Show with Lori H. Schwartz. If you want to find out more about our show or to leave a comment or question, send an email to lori at techcat.tv. That's lori at techcat.tv. So we're talking to Gil Elbaz, who's the CEO of Factual, and Gil is sitting on top of a company that is really managing so much data, um, really sitting at the center of this exploding ecosystem. Gil, um, Factual.com, that's a great place for people to go to just learn about what you guys do? Uh, that's, that's correct. And you're um, obviously out there navigating, speaking at different things. I know you don't know exactly where you're going to be, but do you have a Twitter tag that people can follow? They can follow the company at, at Factual, Twitter tag Factual, and then I'm at 
Gil Elbaz. G I L. Are you uh, are you a tweeter? Uh, I, I I try. I I need to do more to get the to to I, sort of spread the message, <laughs> spread the glorious word, right? Um, so CES is coming up, the Consumer Electronics Show, and uh, you know there's always new trade shows coming up all the time. Uh, do you do you hit a lot of these trade shows? We go to certainly anything around mobile and data. Um, some of some of the mobile ads we we have a presence. Uh, you mentioned CES. We'll certainly be spending spending time there, um, meeting meeting partners. It's a, as you know, it's a, a crazy. Um, bringing together of uh, just a, a tremendous number of people all, all in the same mile radius. Yeah, in a very small island uh, <laughs> in Vegas. Um, what other trade shows do you, do you go to? Do you enjoy going to or do you have to be at? Oh, there's, uh, I mean, as a team, there's some big shows around the world. There's, uh, there's Mobile World Congress in Barcelona, and there is... Uh, can which used to be more focused on film and now it's, it's big on digital media, um, and I go to I, I go to various uh, mobile uh, conferences like like M One and uh, Mobile Media Summit. Are you finding that there's um, there's more agency folks and uh, brand folks at these events now than there used to be? Because certainly that's been the case from my experience when I used to go to more of these tech shows. Now they're sort of moving over to the content side. You know, more people that are on the business content side are showing up. Yeah, I think you're right that there's a trend in that direction. Groups, different functions, and all companies need to get better educated on on the emerging data ecosystem. Who has good data? How do you leverage it? And, uh, and with our deep focus on data, it does make sense to, to, to go and spread that message. And what, when you um, update yourself on things, are there any trade periodicals or things that you always read every day? Like, are you someone that gets up and, like, you know, reads certain things without leaving the house first? Uh, I, certainly, I certainly consume a, a bunch of news through... Through Twitter to see uh, there's people that I follow that I'm I'm sure I'll get get caught up on things early. It also helps me to to kind of wake up um, to just be exposed to a bunch of information early. So I, I do like to do that a lot. Yeah, I, I find now too that you have to understand general world cultural things because they have such a fast trickle down to whatever your your business is. Um, you know, it's like you have to know everything right now. <laughs> It's exhausting. Well, speaking of knowing everything, one area that I I forgot to ask you about earlier, and this comes up a lot when people are talking about location, but there's a lot of confusion around geo-targeting, geo-fencing, and, you know, anything with the word geo in it, really. Could you kind of give us a little overview of of what that all means? I I, I know it's very tactical at this point, but it it seems to me that people drop those expressions all the time, and so it gets really blurry. So starting with geo-fencing... Uh, think of it as a, as a digital fence, a line drawn on a map that designates a specific area that's of interest to you. And geofencing technology can be used to uh, send a message, send an advertisement, or, or just have your app interact differently with a user in a specific area. So if you're a sports app and you, could, and you see that, it, that your user on the device is actually at the game, at the baseball stadium, watching the game, uh, maybe you 
maybe you're, you don't need to broadcast the score, they're right there. Maybe they're looking, maybe you, you can predict that what they're really looking for is deeper information on the player that's at bat. Um, otherwise, if they're not at the game, if, if they're at a bar, uh, using geofences around every bar in the entire world, uh, maybe you can guess that they're being more social. Um, and, you know, they're, they're trying to, um, and, they're, and they're messaging with, with friends, um, uh, you know, about the score of the game. So, okay, so that's a, sort of the, and the geo piece is really like taking global information or, or mapping information. Is that what geo kind of refers to? It refers to drawing a line on a map and leveraging that shape um, and, and leveraging you, your movement in and out of that shape um, for some type of digital decision. Again, whether it's your app working differently or, um, or, an, or an ad. I mean, another, now, now we can get into things beyond geofencing. Um, there's a broader category of geocontextual. Mm. So, so that's not, it's much more than just saying, where are they? But what pieces of information might be relevant to interacting with this user in the correct way? So maybe with geocontextual, you're learning about the fact that they're at a place where a concert is showing. Maybe it's a jazz band. Uh, maybe it's a sports venue and, your fav- and a particular basketball team is playing. Um, oh, so I love that. Yeah, keep going. The, this is fascinating. I mean, geocontextual can also be uh, being in places where other people like a certain thing. So you can, um, you can see consumer behaviors. And, and also repeat, repeat patterns can be geocontextual. So seeing that somebody tends to go to lunch at 1 and not 12, well, that can be, that can be important for knowing um, when, when to bug somebody with a message about food. You don't want to bug them after they've already eaten. Right. I mean, you're really talking again, you're getting to the heart of the insights that businesses, brands, companies can really learn from all this data that you're sitting on top of. And it's a great way to, to end our conversation because geocontext is why people want to analyze data to begin with. They want better understanding of their audiences so that they can profit eventually from having that understanding um, and creating greater engagement. So I love that. I've never actually heard that expression before. Yeah, and I think this is, it's, it's still, we're still in a world where your location is underutilized, where people aren't fully focused on getting in leveraging this context. So uh, it's, well, it's well known that if Facebook is interacting with you, they know who, you, who your friends are and they know some of the messages that you've posted, and that, of course, that's valuable. Um, so social is valuable, but location is newer, and it's it's not as well understood. And when you spend time in certain locations, that can help somebody really understand uh, what you're like and what you're about and what you want. Uh, and and we're seeing the trend of people wanting their mobile device to be all-knowing, to know, to know them even better than you know yourself. I mean, which is kind of a, you'd think is a pretty high bar, but I think, I think that's the bar that this technology is going to hit. Well, that's a great way to end this conversation um, because I certainly would love more help navigating my world. (laughs) So uh, we've just been talking to the fabulous Gil Elbaz, who's the CEO of Factual, 
And Gil, they can go to factual.com to learn more about what you're doing. And I'm sure Gil will be popping up at a variety of industry conferences and events where we can learn more from the fabulous data gurus. So thank you so much, Gil. And thank you, audience, for joining us again at another Tech Cat show. And we'll talk to you next week where we'll get into tech trends impacting your business. And here's hoping you generate a lot of geocontextual data for Gil to use. Thanks, Gil. Thank you so much, Lori. Thanks so much for listening to the Tech Cat Show. Please join Lori H. Schwartz again for another great program next Wednesday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel and syndicated to the Voice America Women's Channel. 